You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Psalm chapter 19. We're going to kind of work our way through this psalm this morning. See what the Lord has for us this morning from his word. And we're going to read the whole passage, Psalm chapter 19, if you just want to follow along with me. Verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray that you would just bless the reading of your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you would just fill me with your spirit, Lord, that I can bring forth your word this morning and that we can receive from it that which you would have for us, Lord, that we can be that we can understand this passage of Scripture here, Lord, and clearly see the principles that you have laid out for us here in this passage, Lord, that we can be blessed, that we can grow closer to you, Lord, that we can understand more of who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So here in Psalm chapter 19, verse 1 gives us one of the greatest openings, I think, in Scripture to a passage. The heavens declare the glory of God. You know, this was one of the greatest statements in the Bible, especially in our day where if we see so much of the world is given over to the theory of evolution. You know, so much of the world and the, the, all the, really the ideology of the world is based around the concept of evolution. And that's why they do what they do because of their rejection of God as we talked about a couple weeks ago. But here in Psalm chapter 19, David says, the heavens declare the glory of God. David wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to us, that the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. And this is, he says heavens plural, you know, all the heavens, the, the sky that we see above us, outer space, all that takes place, heaven where God dwells. The heavens themselves declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Everything was created for God's glory. It was created for his glory, for his pleasure, including us. We were created to bring pleasure glory to God. This working of God in the heavens shows us just that, that God worked it all into being. It did not happen by chance. 
It didn't happen over millions of years through the process of macroevolution. God fashioned it by the word of his power in order to show his glory to all generations. The generations that were in the past and the generations that will be in the future, God made everything to show his glory. And that is a great statement here in Psalm chapter 19. But as we work through this passage, I want us to learn something from the word of God this morning. I want us to just remember something. It's not something we need to learn. It's something we already know. And the, the title, if I was to give a title, this would embrace the light. Embrace the light. Every day shows forth the words and knowledge of God as we find in verse 2 through 4. Specifically, in verse 2, it says, day unto day utter a speech. So the days show the speech of God. They, they utter the words of God. When we look at the day that takes place, that is really God speaking to us in the day. The nights show knowledge. Night unto night showeth knowledge. The nights show the knowledge of God. In verse 3, it tells us, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. You know, this language of God speaking, speaking through the day and night is something that is understood by everybody in the world. And God tells us that, that the creation is given to all people, that all people have the knowledge of God through his creation. You know, during the day, you are clearly able to see the wondrous beauty of God's creation. You can hear the birds singing, you can see the trees rustling, you can observe the, the landscape, the environment, and nature. You can see it clearly. All of it speaking glory for the awesome creator. And at night, you can see God's plan in action. At night, in the darkness, we see the stars and the planets and the moon. They have their set patterns. They follow the same patterns that you can observe, right? We can observe the patterns that take place because God has set them in place for that. You know, DJ, Dr. G. D. James Kennedy wrote a book called the, the Real Meaning of the Zodiac in which he outlined that the stars and the planets um, the constellations really spelled out the redemptive work of God, that he established the stars, and we think of the constellations. And I don't think we can really see the constellations probably as they could be seen in a, in a pure environment as God created originally. But the constellations themselves, they weren't designed to be what we think of them now as the zodiac and how Satan has twisted that and created something dark and, and sinister and hideous, you know, to us in regards to the constellation. But God designed them to tell the work the redemptive work that he was going to do in the future, and just the, the history, the gospel in the stars. That's what Dr. G. James Kennedy wrote about as well. So that is what the stars tell about. That's what the night shows us. It shows us the knowledge of God. Verse 4 through 6. The day and the night have the job of doing something, and that's called, they, they have a tabernacle for the sun. It says, in them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. And referencing the day and the night from the previous verses. So the analogy given to us by David here is equivalent the sun. If we look down to verse 5, it says, Which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. So here, David tells us that the, the sun is like a bridegroom and like a runner. You know, when a man is getting married, there's not too much that's going to stand in his way. He's going he's gonna to move forward with it. He doesn't do much planning, necessarily. He just is excited to get married. He is full of energy. He's full of desire. He just shows up excited, ready to marry the bride that has accepted him, right? He's ready. He's excited. That is what David is saying here. When the sun comes up in the morning, it's like a bridegroom. 
getting ready to get married. He also equivalent, gives it the equivalence of being like a runner, one who has trained and ran, one who has trained and ran some more. He doesn't dread getting out and running the race. If we've gone out and we've practiced like, you know, Micah, <laughs> getting ready to run a race, he's excited to run a race. Micah was just telling me that his, his knees are in trouble, and so, you know, that's, he can't do it like he used to. And that's a sad thing, you know, for, especially for a runner, when they get to the point where they can't run like they used to be able to do. And, you know, that was early on in my life. I couldn't run like I used to be able to. But, you know, when, you, when a runner gets ready to run, they don't lay, oh, man, i got to run a race. Oh, no, I don't want to run a race. No, runners live for running races, right? Just like the sun comes up in the morning, runners live for running races. He doesn't dread the running of the race. Most of us, when we get up in the morning to walk to the coffee pot, we dread having to get out of bed in the morning, right? Get up to go and get that coffee or, or get up and, and, and do whatever we do. You know, if we were thinking about running around the block, it might put some of us into a coma, right? But that's, that's not the way runners think about running. And that's what David is showing us here, is that the sun, when it comes up in the morning, is just like a runner getting ready to run a race. It's excited. It's getting that underway. And David gives, David gives us these things as an example. And we'll get into that. I hope you're not wondering where I'm going with this. We'll, we'll just kind of get into it here in a little bit. So as he gives us these analogies, he talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God. He talks about the day and the night showing forth the speech and the knowledge of God. He talks about the, the, the day and the night housing that, the sun. That's where he leads to and saying that the sun, when it comes up in the morning, is just like a runner and a bridegroom getting ready to get married, a runner ready to run a race. He goes right in to the next verse in verse 7. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So David does all these verses, these first six verses of Psalm chapter 19, to lead us into the point that he is really trying to get to, and that is all this heavens declaring the glory of God, the sun coming up in the morning, it is really just pointing to the law of the Lord. You know, we don't worry about the sun coming up in the morning. But the sun, when it comes up in the morning, it shows us all things, right? It warms up the earth. It shows us, it warms the earth. It shows us the things that need to be fixed in our yard from the storms maybe from the night before. Or it just shows us the beauty of the morning. But that's what happens when the sun comes up in the morning. Nothing is more beautiful, I think, than when the sun comes up after we've had a night of heavy snow and the sun comes up and it's shining on everything. Everything's bright and clear. You know, the brightness of the sun when it shines directly in our face is something that we can't ignore. Sometimes we gotta, we got to turn our eyes away from the sun. And for me, if there's any sun at all, even on a day like today, i got to wear sunglasses, you know. But that's just me. But sometimes you, you can't look directly at the sun. It just blinds you, right? It blinds you. The sun's pattern and its circuit, it continues as long as the heavens exist, revealing light and giving warmth to all creation. And David shows us the sun as that great light, as that great light excited to come up in the morning. We have this great light before us in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. The word of God is to us spiritually what the sun is to us physically. That great light that we have, it is the thing that reveals to us the true nature of our darkened condition, of our sinful state. It is the light that shines in the darkness and shows us God. 
so that we can clearly see him. When God's word shines in our heart, we are able to see those areas that we need correction. This is the light. You know, David was talking about the creation of God, but really he was getting to the point where he said, this is the light that I really want to see in the morning, greater than my desire to see the sun, even though the sun in all its beauty shows the knowledge of God, I need to see this law of the Lord, this word of the Lord. So do we have the same desire that David had? Do we have that desire to get into the word of God as David had? Are we more interested in seeing the sun come up in the morning than we are in seeing the light shine in our hearts in the morning so that we can see God as who he is? So as we go down through the rest of the passage, we're going to kind of work through here. And you know, really I could take probably a few messages and go through each one of these points individually of these verses, but for sake of time and kind of just to really get the grasp of this, this passage, we're not going to go through everything in detail as I would like. But we are going to go over every, every verse here and look at how David outlines to us this light and how it appears to us in our own hearts. First, in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. There is only one thing that convert, can, can convert the soul, and that is understanding that God is perfect and we are sinful. When we understand that, that converts our soul. When God's word is read or spoken to us by others, this is what reveals to us the true condition of our heart and causes us to realize that we need a Savior. Without the law of the Lord, it's perfection. Being able to shine in our hearts, it converts our soul. Without that conversion, we have nothing. Right? Without the law of the Lord converting our soul, we have nothing. And we cannot be made perfect. We cannot be made right with God without that perfecting work. Without the light of the gospel, the light of the word of God shining in our hearts, we cannot come to that place where we are converted from darkness to light. Just like the sun comes up in the morning and shines in the darkness, the darkness dissipates as the sun comes up. Without the light of the word of God shining in our hearts, we cannot have that darkness go away. That is why it's important and why we support as a church getting the word of God into those, the hands of people who are in darkness so that they can have that light of the word of God in their hearts. But we also have to get that light into the hearts of the people in America and the hands of the people of America as well that have rejected it. You know, we really, our country has rejected the word of God as a nation, even though it's founded on those principles of the word of God. So that, the first aspect of the law of the Lord here, the word of God we find is that it's perfect, converting the soul. The second aspect is that it's sure. It's sure. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You know, we can count on the word of God. It's not a magic book. It's not something that when we look at it today, it says one thing, and then when we look at it tomorrow, it changes its words around, and it says something completely different. That's not the word of God. The word of God is sure. It's something that is accurate. It is the same. Forever it is established in heaven. God's word does not change. It is the only th sure thing we have in this life and for all, all eternity. So do we consider it as such in our lives? Do we consider it as a surety in our life? Or do we consider it secondary to our own wisdom? It says here that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Therefore, if we are not sure, we are not studious in the word of God, we are going to be simple. We're not going to be wise if we have not allowed the light of the word of God to shine in our hearts. Without it, we are simple, not seeing the whole picture. The darkness has not been eliminated. Verse 8, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, the things that we decide are right to do are usually not right. That's what I find in my life. 
when I decide to do something, it's usually not the right thing to do. It usually brings heartache and trouble rather than joy. But as the light of the Word of God penetrates our mind, we will know what is right to do. If we want to know what is right to do, we need to get into the Word of God. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You know, it makes our heart glad when we are doing what is right before the Lord. It rejoices our heart. So often, though, we don't look at it like that. We look at it as a punishment to do what is right or, you know, just our duty to do what is right. And we do, don't do it out of joy. But when we understand that the statutes of the Lord are right, it rejoices our heart. Also in verse 8, we find that the commandment of the Lord is pure. The Word of God is a pure thing. It is pure, and it enlightens our eyes. You know, sometimes kids, I'm not going to say my kids. Okay, yes, they're my kids. Have a hard time obeying the commandments of their parents. They have a hard time obeying the commandments of their parents. They tend to look at the commandments as something evil, something for their hurt, rather than something for their benefit. You know, in, in reality, sometimes the commandments that we give to our kids can be made out of selfish reasons, right? Don't scream in the house. That's a selfish reason because it hurts my ears, okay? Other, other things, we could give them commandments that really don't necessarily benefit them, but they're selfish because they benefit us, and we want the kids to do things to benefit us. Not saying that they shouldn't do that. If you set a rule, the kids should obey it. But that's not the way God's commandments are. You know, when God gives us a commandment, it is for our benefit if we obey it. It's for our benefit. These are pure commandments from a holy God. From a holy God. We are impure creatures. We don't do what is right all the time. So when we set a commandment, we're doing it in the weakness of our flesh. But God's commandments to us are pure, and they enlighten our eyes. They give us that light just as the sun enlightens our eyes in the morning. When we get up, we try to walk through the house in the dark without flipping on any lights like I do because I don't want to wake anybody up because I want me time. No, <laughs> the sun helps you to see your way in the dark. And as it comes up, you can see everything clearly. That is the word of God. It is an enlightening thing to our eyes. They are for us to obey in order not to offend a pure and holy God and to receive his blessing in our life. Just as our, our kids have a hard time with our commands, we sometimes have a hard time with obeying the Lord's commandments as well. But if we allow these commandments to come into our heart, we obey them. It will bring light to our eyes, and we will be able to live in this world. Even though this world is wicked, we'll be able to live pure in this world. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It is pure. It is the only pure thing in this world is the commandments of the Lord if we were to truly obey them as we should. Verse 9 says, the next thing, the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever. You know, we get a fear of the Lord when we really get into the Word of God, and we understand how God views sin, how God views wickedness, what God has done in the past to those nations that have done wickedly before him and those individuals that have done wickedly before him. Getting into the Word of God should give us a fear of God. Part of the problem that we are facing in America and in our churches is that and even in our own homes, is that we don't have the proper fear of God like we should. We don't realize that God is a just and holy and righteous God. And at some point, we will have a proper fear of God. Let's try to get that fear of God here on this earth rather than when we stand before him in heaven. David is writing here that the fear of God, though, is a clean thing. It's clean. 
It brings cleansing. When we have that proper fear of God, it brings cleansing into our life. And it endures forever. The fear of the Lord endures forever. When we have the fear of God that we should have and we violate one of God's commandments, we're going to try to make it right as soon as possible. We're going to want that cleansing in our life because we need that cleansing because we have that fear of God that we develop through his word, through spending time with him in prayer. When we have this fear of God, our sole purpose is to serve and obey and love him. We won't get entangled with the, the affairs of this life to the point where they drive us to forget God because we have that proper fear of God. We will have singleness of purpose. And this, per, this fear of God really only comes as we get in the word of God. And that's what David is giving us here, this outline, that we need these things in our life. We need the word of God in our life in order to have these qualities that the Lord desires us to have. Verse 9, we find another thing. The Lord are true and righteous altogether. Our judgments are not always impartial, and they're not always complete. We often hear people saying, don't judge me, and we don't like to be judged incorrectly, but yet in our human frailty, sometimes it's impossible not to judge a situation, and maybe sometimes judge a situation improperly outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But God doesn't have that problem. His judgments are unsearchable. They are without fault. So in Romans 11:33 it says, "Oh the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out." His judgments are unsearchable. If we want to know the Lord and understand true and righteous judgment, we have to be in the word of God. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. When we look to the Lord for judgment in a matter, we will receive the true and righteous judgment that we need. More importantly, when we're talking about true and righteous judgments, when we allow the light of the word of God to shine in our hearts, and we allow God to judge us from his word, which we don't like to do sometimes. We don't like to get in the word and allow God to really show to us, to judge our hearts, to search our hearts, and to judge us and tell us what state we are in. But we allow that to happen it will be a true and righteous judgment that we receive. Sometimes it might feel like punishment. It might feel like something too hard for us to handle, this judgment that we find God giving to us from his word. But we need to just look at it through the eyes of the creator, the one who created all things for his glory and for his pleasure. For his pleasure. Our good is on his mind. Just as Pastor talked about last week, God is good. Our good is on his mind as well. And it does us no good to have good feelings about ourselves when we are living in bondage and destruction and living in darkness. It has no good for us to have somebody cater to us and say, you're okay when you're not okay, right? We need to have that true judgment that comes from the word of God. And we need to be humble and allow the Lord to do his judging work in our lives and not resist his judgment. So after showing these qualities, as David goes down here through verse 9, so 7 through 9, he shows us these qualities of the Word of God that we need to have in our life that are just like the sun coming up, shining into our hearts, revealing to us. David explains the reasons. You know, all of us like to have reasons for doing something. My kids especially like reasons. They write reasons for everything. Okay, I don't need to have any reasons. And I make reasons up. But anyway, God's not like that. We need to have 
reasons. And it helps us when we understand the reasons for doing something. I believe it does help us. You know, if you're trying to explain something to somebody at work and you, they don't really know the reason behind it, it's hard for them to accept it. So you really got you to show somebody. Even in school, you got to show some kids the reason for doing something. This is why you do it. David does that for us here in verse 10. It says that they are more desirable than gold. We all desire gold or money because that's how we survive. But the statutes and the laws and the commandments and the fear of the Lord are more desirable than any riches that we may obtain on this earth. They're more desirable than gold. That is how David saw these things. I don't know that we see them as David saw them, but he said these things, the light of the word of God shining in my heart, is more desirable to me than gold, yea, than much fine gold. He also says here in verse 10 that it's sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. You know, I think most people probably like honey. I'm sure there's people that don't. But honey is sweet, right? It brings refreshment to you. It also sticky. It sticks to everything it touches, right? When, you, when it gets on your clothes or when it gets on your hands, it's hard. That is how the commandments of the Lord are as well. They're sweet to the soul. When we partake of his word, it opens our eyes. It sticks to whatever we do. You know, it affects everything we do when we allow the word of God to penetrate our hearts. Everything we do is done through the enlightening of the Word of God. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Verse 11, it tells us another thing that the Word of, the God, word of God does for us. It says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. It keeps us from danger. When we understand the law of the Lord, we will see the warnings out there for living a life outside of his commandments. We will not do those things that bring destruction and filthiness and corruption into our life. We will do the things that are right because we're warned. In keeping of them, thy servant is warned. When we keep the commandments of the Lord, they bring a, a warning into our life that we won't go there, we won't do this because we have the commandments in our hearts. They keep us from sinning against the Lord. All of us like rewards. And there are plenty of earthly rewards for those who obey the word of God. But there are innumerable eternal, award, eternal rewards to those who are faithful in obeying what God has commanded us to do. So why is it hard for us, though, to clearly see the rewards of doing what is right? Of getting into the word of God and allowing it to do these things that David is showing to us that it will do for us in our lives if we allow it to do it. Why do we not clearly see the rewards of getting the scripture into our hearts and obeying the commandments that are here in the word of God. We should desire to have the word of God penetrate our hearts so that we can live out our lives as God desires us to live, to live in obedience to him, understanding that we need to be perfected by the word of God, to have our soul converted, that the testimony of the Lord is sure, making us wise. The statutes of the Lord are right. They rejoice our heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. It brings light to our eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The judgments of the Lord, they're true, and they're righteous altogether. And then after David goes through this, he has a prayer here in the verse 12 through 14. And it was a, a prayer really for continual cleansing and protection, that God would, would grant him the ability to live out these things in his life. As David contemplates the light of the word of God and recognizes it, its importance in his life, he requests three things of the Lord. The first thing he requests is that the Lord would do the cleansing work in his life of the secret faults in his life. 
You know, who can truly know the errors of our ways except for the Lord? We can't know the errors of our ways. We have to have the Lord reveal that to us from his word. He has to cleanse us from those secret faults, the things that are secret from our own hearts that we don't want to admit to or that we don't see. We need God to do that cleansing work in our life. Second, David prays that the Lord would keep him from willful sin, knowing what is right to do and not doing it. Or knowing what is right to do and really just saying, I don't care, God, I'm going to do it anyway. David said, keep me back from those presumptuous sins. We want to be kept from these things. We don't want them to develop a habit in our life where they're habitual, where they're, they bring us into bondage. David is saying, deliver me from that. They, let them not have dominion over me. He doesn't want these presumptuous sins to have dominion over him, and we need God to free us from these things as well. We don't want to ever come to that point where we reject his lordship in our life and just say, oh, I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. That's the second thing David prays about. Third, he says in verse 14, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The words that we speak and the thoughts that we contemplate, we need them to be acceptable in the sight of the Lord. Not acceptable as how we compare ourselves to others, but acceptable in the sight of the Lord. And he's the one who knows all things. He's the one who sees in the darkness. He's the one whose word can penetrate the depths of our soul. You know, as David wrote this beautiful passage, he was writing this really in an unfulfilled state. Remember, he, the, the Savior had not yet come. He did not have the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. But knowing the light of God's word and struggling to live within the scope of the glory that was revealed to him through the word of God. And yet he embraced the light of the word of God. He knew that it was the true and right way. We have seen the word of God, though. We have seen it revealed to us, this light. Just as David gave it the equivalent of the sun, we have seen the great light shining in our hearts. Matthew 4, 16 says, The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadow of death, light has sprung up. This was talking about the nation of Israel as Jesus came, and that light shone in the darkness to them. And we have seen that light, all of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior, but that light is still revealed to all mankind through the Savior, through Jesus. I don't like going over, but John chapter 1. I'm just going to read through John chapter 1 really quick. Verse 1 through 14. That light, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. That, light, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the light of the world. 
He is the Word of God manifest to us. Just as David was talking about the qualities of the Word of God, all those qualities are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as a son rejoices to run his race, he rejoiced to run his race. He rejoiced to come to this earth, to be born, as we're going to celebrate here in a month. Just as we take pleasure in the sunrise and its refreshment that it brings to us and its exuberance and its joy that it brings, we take greater pleasure as we celebrate Christ's birth. And when we see the sun setting, we think of his death on the cross, not with sadness, understanding the pain, but yet the beauty as darkness fell on the earth as he paid sin price, and definitely with joy, knowing that a new day is dawning. So let's embrace the light of the word of God. Let's embrace Jesus, the true light, as we come into this Christmas season, and let him do his work in our hearts. He is the word of God. He is that true light. As, as David prayed here in Psalm chapter 19, let's let the Word of God do its work in our hearts. Let's embrace that light of the Word of God. Let's be thankful for His work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, I, let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.